Greetings, adventurers, and welcome, welcome back to another episode of A Game Called Quest. We're so happy that you could join us today. Quick announcement before we get started. Stop! Whatever you're doing, stop! Now! Pull out your phone, open up your iTunes account or your Podchaser, and leave us a review. You can also tweet at us or leave something on our Facebook page or on Instagram, and we will really appreciate that too, And because we love you, and we want to communicate with you, and we want to just like give you big hugs whenever you say nice things to us. And also, it really doesn't hurt that right now when you do it, you can get a free copy of the Monster Manifest. Um, we've still got some copies of that left, so... I'm not saying do it for the do it for the monster manifest, but do it for the monster manifest. That's the only announcement that I have for today. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let's jump into the game. Our story continues with a confrontation. The drums of a circus, the slight music as our party enters. The massive, circular cavern that is the circus. Or some sort of demented version of one. Oh, yeah, we're here for our appointment with Ravana, uh, and I'm going to cast Bamboozle. So I'd like, to, uh, I'd, I'd like to bamboozle them into believing that we are, in fact, we, we do, in fact, have an appointment with Ravana. And uh, are they, they need to take us? They need to take us there. They both do in synchronization a couple of backflips up to you, like handsprings, backwards handsprings. They land facing towards you, and both put out their hands and they say, "Hello, I'm Roman," and the other one says, "Hello, I'm Thea," and they shake your hand uh, one over the other, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And then they turn and walk back to the door, and you see uh, they pull out a key, and they unlock the door, and they open it up, and uh, they wave you in and follow behind you, the four of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, see, it worked. Uh, inside the next room does actually kind of look like the inside of a circus tent. Um, it doesn't have the same red and white colors, Uh, But it does have that similar circular shape uh, and sort of like the outline of what you might think like the stands would look like. Uh, In the stands, you can see a bunch of several people, not not too many, but maybe like six or seven. You recognize all of them, actually. They are the people from the village, Uh, but they are uh, sitting. They all have on the little the little bracelets and they're just sitting there and you also uh, see a bunch of woodland creatures also sitting in the audience (laughs) and uh, in the middle of the room you do see and uh, Ben Thorne will recognize this as Ravana everyone else Ravana is a, a white male he's got slicked back black hair um but it has little bits and tufts poking out in various places uh and he is not uh he has a fire like there's a fire set up and it's crackling a little bit uh, but he's not paying any attention to it he's just um pacing back and forth through the room 
muttering to himself, twisting his fingers together. And you can see that his eyes are completely inked over in this black, inky color. And he's just muttering to himself. And you can't, it's not a language that you can understand. And he doesn't even look up when you go in. I'm going to call out to him. I'm going to say, Ravana, it is I, Thorn. Guys, just play along. It is I, Thorn, and I have come to stop all this once again. When you speak, uh, Ravana stops for a second. His body ends in a sort of bizarre, contorted shape, and then he crooks his neck to look at you. You can almost hear like like the opening of a cabinet as he turns his head to face you and you can see the shadows in his eyes. It's like looking into the abyss there. Um, much more intense than the last time that you saw his 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 black eyes. Um, and he sees you and then blinks and then in a weird sort of strange robotic motion he goes Ah, the greatness has returned. Yep, that's right. I'm back to foil your plans once again. Uh, he sort of limps towards the group of you. And and at that moment, Thea and Roman go, they've they come, come for an audition in quite incredible synchronization. It's a little bit spooky. And Ravana snaps his head to look at them. But these friends don't need to audition. We already know the greatness of this group. And at that moment, in a similar uh, shape-shifting fashion to his compatriots, actually, it's not that similar. It's a little bit more disturbing. It's less like a natural shape-shifting and more like... Um, I don't know. Just picture something gross. <laughs> I don't want to describe it graphically, uh, but something very disturbing and like the destruction of the previous form. Uh, fade the Ravana fades away, and in its place, you see a completely pure white statuesque form standing of the same height but the hair has faded away and has left only a billowing white cloak in its place the eyes look as though they're oozing black ink and uh ravana goes i suppose it's time for you to show me twitch 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 what you can do And as our group decides whether they can meet the challenge of the rash and raging Ravana, let's turn back to our other friend. We fade out from the circus drums and the strange music into that familiar cavern. The solar one stands over Elise with fear and judgment in her eyes. Something has made them more desperate. That desperation you're talking about, that's probably because of me. I told you, I left them a long time ago. That is completely against the code. But what they were doing is wrong. They sent me off to a mission to kill someone who happened to be 
the only link that I have to my family, and I could not kill him. They killed him anyway, but uh, I could not kill him. So all I have is this map from him, and I have escaped, and I know ever since then they had been sending people to come look for me and to hunt me down, but I didn't think that it would be that bad. They must have help. But that's all I know. I, I was really hoping I could get more information out of you. Um, you understand why I can't give you back that halberd, though? Maybe not now, but I hope if you trust me enough, you return what is rightfully mine. She furrows her eyebrows. Rightfully yours? What do you mean? So, Elise just, like, looks at her and she's like, You're asking me a ton of questions, but how do I know that I can trust you? You don't, but... I think I have the upper hand. That makes at least exhales. She realizes that, and she also realizes that this person could have probably very easily killed her if they wanted to, especially that they're weaponless and defenseless right now. So Elise just sighs, and she says, Well, the person that I was meant to kill, he sent me off in this journey. He had this map in his hand, and he asked me to take it. This map led me to the halberd you're holding on to now, and that halberd did not accept anybody else that tried to touch it or go near it, but it accepted me. And the halibird has the same eye on its top that I do on my necklace. And as she says that, she like reaches to her necklace and just like lightly shows it to her. And she's like, this is the thing that I've had since I was young. I have no memory before then. So this is all I have to eventually find my family. Interesting. And she, um... She looks away from you at the ground and bites her lip, and you can just see her brain is moving a mile a minute. But she doesn't say anything to you. She just kind of swallows, and her eyes are wide. Like, you know that look on somebody's face when it's clear that they know something and they're trying to figure out whether or not to share it? It's that. Please, I've told you so much private information that I haven't even talked to anyone about. If you know something, please... I took the opportunity, I took the step in trusting you, a person I've never met that has tied me up in this chair and taken all my weapons. So please, if you know something, talk to me. Yeah, she will wave her hand through the air and the halberd appears in it, uh, as if she's pulling it out of a bag, but there is no bag there. Like she reaches into, her hand disappears in, to the, into some like other plane and she pulls out this halberd. I do not know a lot about this. It is it is something a bit beyond my comprehension. It extends into territories that I try to avoid. That's why I'm so reluctant to give it back to you. It's a piece of a legend. The eye, that necklace, the symbol on the hilt of this. It's associated with a demon. Lise, like, for a second, like, stops breathing. She's like, a demon? I don't, I don't understand. What is this legend? Like I said, and she's not lying right now. She says, I do not know more than that. I cannot, in my line of work, read things of, and she looks uncomfortable, that nature. The abyssal is not something I am eager to tamper with. At least, like, uh, breaks eye contact from her and just, like, nods in an understanding nod. She just, like, very gently murmurs, thank you for at least telling me this much. 
But please, you have to return that halberd to me. What if somebody took your wings and claimed ownership? This isn't right. You can't just take something that belongs to me. I... I trust the other one more than you. You can't put different people in the same box. Tell you what, if my friends... I trust the other... the other you. The... the silly but kind one. Where's she? I'll give the weapon to her. This confuses Elisa a little. Well, I have a question. Are, are these characters, like, are, like, our other sides aware? I think that that's up to you. I think that you can uh, decide that. Everybody's person has been, had a different relationship. I think it's cool if Zuri is, like, yeah. she knows that the lease exists, but doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it kind of seems like they are fighting for control of the body a little bit. So, like, at least here's the, oh, I trusted the other one more than you, and this, like, hurts her a little bit. Um, not dramatically, because she's used to stuff, but she's she's still affected by this because, like, she knows that she's always seen as untrustworthy, especially with the Black Lotus Mark and stuff like that. So this, like, frustrates her. And um, all the trust that she was building up towards this person, I think she, like, coils back a little bit. And she just says, have a deal way. And then she, like, snaps back, like, her head. And then Zuri is, like, comes out, but her head is still tilted back, and she's like, whoa, <laughs> my hands are free! I have no idea what's going on. And then she, like, tilts her head down, she just sees, like, this angel thing again with her halberd, and she's like, oh, hey, you have my halberd! It's pretty cool, eh? Wanna go take it for a spin? And that is where we're gonna go to commercial. I'm really excited to be featuring J.N. Butler's Monster Manifest. J.N. Butler is a neurodiverse, non-binary, genderqueer illustrator and TTRPG content creator. And they are the amazing person that brought you the NPCs that you have met so far in this arc and will continue to meet as we explore the rest of the Riftwood Village arc. The Monster Manifest is a perfect supplement to your quest game, whether or not you are trying to emulate or add content from another TTRPG or whether you're just new to gaming and you want ideas for cool NPCs, this is a really good supplement for you to use. I definitely had a awesome time just reading through the manual and also finding things that fit with the story that I wanted to tell was easy and fun and exciting. So you can access JN's work at jnbutler.art. Uh, you can also access the Monster Manifest by leaving a review or tweeting about a game called Quest. We've got 10 free, actually 9 now, Monster Manifests available for GCQ listeners. So tweet about how awesome the NPCs were in this arc uh, or uh, post about it on Facebook or Instagram or leave us a review on Podchaser or iTunes and give a good big shout out to the amazing artist, J.N. Butler. And uh, the first 10 people that do that will be getting access to the Monster Manifest. So once again, spotlight, spotlight, spotlight. J.N. Butler, thank you for collaborating with us and just being excited to share your work. A Game Called Quest is proud to be part of the Audible affiliate program. Audible is an amazing way to find and access tons of great books and stories. If you think about it, audiobooks were really the original podcasts. 
You can get a free one-month Audible trial by visiting www.audibletrial.com slash a game called Quest. That trial includes one token for a free audiobook. So we have left a list of fantasy books written by POC and LGBTQ plus authors that we recommend in the description box. Get the joy of listening to great fantasy stories without the frustration of having to wait for the next episode of the podcast. Try Audible. Let's get back to the game. Oh, hey, you have my halibut. It's pretty cool, eh? Want to go take it for a spin? It's pretty wild. And she walks over and gives it to you and says, I do not think that I should be the one to wield this. It is not my right. But I'd be happy to give you a chance to try it out. And she opens her hand and gives it to you. And then I think we flash uh, into a future scene. You're out of the chair. The chair has been pushed to the side. There is still a unicorn just, like, chilling in the room. Um, (laughs) So flash forward. um, Zuri's just, like, you know, chilling, sitting there. And she just, like, looks at the unicorn and, like, back at the being. And she's like, so, hey, I feel like we've really spent some time together, started to get to know each other a little bit. So I'm just wondering if it's not too much. Um, are you going to talk to me about what the heck is going on with that unicorn? And if I can pet it? And if I can't, then what is even the point of it? You can for sure pet the unicorn. <laughs> and this makes Zuri so happy because I think in this world, she hasn't gotten the opportunity she to hasn't. pet anything. Well, Talon's the closest, but, like, she yeah. hasn't gotten to. So she, this, like, makes her so happy that she, like, jumps up, like, way faster than somebody should be able to jump up, like, just completely from, like, sitting position. And she, like, looks at the uh, the being, and she just has this, like, bright smile, and she's like... <laughs> and then she just, like, <laughs> runs to the unicorn, and she's just, like... But very, like, she runs to it, but then she, like, very gently approaches it. She's like looking at it in the eyes and she's like gently putting out her hand and just saying like, can I pet you? Like, what is this unicorn doing? Does it look like it's okay with her? The unicorn is a, it's not like the one that you would read about in books. It's like, it does have a kind of um, like metallic rainbow color, like a light silver that from when the light hit, the way that the light hits it makes it look like it's changing color from every angle. And that's like its entire skin. It looks completely smooth and almost like a statue with these sort of like elegant, wispy hairs coming out from the back and the side. And of course, it has this horn. It is, like I said, it's all one color, but you can tell like from different angles it changes. Um, and and as you come up, it does move in a very horse-like way and not at all in a statue way because it, it, it has no movement inhibitations. Is that a word? Yeah, it has no uh, inhibitants to its movement. Yep. Sure. And so it just kind of like and kind of moves its head slightly to the side and then bows down in front of you for you to uh, pet its forehead. At least it's like having like Arzuri is having like the time of her life right now. <laughs> she just can't believe this is happening. She's actually tearing up from this moment. She's like so emotionally affected by this. So she looks like gently putting out her hand and she like feels um, the forehead of the unicorn. And it's like this mm-hmm. odd, like almost marble, but like also soft. And like, it, it feels like... Yeah, it feels like petting... Um just like the softest of fur but also so it's like parts of it like maybe the horn is like marble 
and like it's like yeah definitely the horn would be like a marble feeling um the rest of it it's kind of like i it's kind of like if you were lying in a really soft sheets and like running your hand over it yeah, yeah. So I think what happens is like she's like gently petting it and it's like so freaking soft that she like maybe does like three strokes and then like slides in with her body and just like puts her arm around its neck and just hugs it. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're such a good boy. <laughs> and she's like so happy and she's just like hugging it. And then she looks back at the um, the being. Which what is their name? The solar one. The uh, solar one. Her name is her name is Hazel. Hazel. You would okay, know that so by now. She looks at Hazel, the solar one, and she's just like still hugging the unicorn, and she like looks like a total kid in this twenty-year-old's body. Yeah. Like, she's just so happy, like kid in the candy store happy, and she's looking at her, and she's just like, "What is going on? Why is there a unicorn in this room constantly?" I mean, it's a. It's a temple. We have these kinds of things. Although I will say, they are not a boy. They are ungendered. Oh, you're just such a good baby. You're such a cute little baby. And then she just, like, gives it a couple kisses. And she's just happy holding it. Yes, unicorns in this world do not have... Um, they are non-binary. I love Doesn't that. Doesn't it? <laughs> it feels right. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Um... Yes. And then, but <laughs> let me remind you that the last thing that you decided you were going to do was spar. So Hazel's like standing there fully like swords out, wings out. Um, and she's like, do you want to <laughs> practice your fighting or not? And then like series, like small drops, just a tiny bit. She's like, huh, I completely forgot. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, okay, yes, I do. I do. I want to be able to protect my friends. And then she, like, looks over at the unicorn, and she's just like, Bye, my love. I will not forget you. And then she gives a big kiss. <laughs> and then she's like, Okay, now it's time for business. Now, you watch out, Solar One. I have been practicing. And then she's, like, um, slowly pulling out the halberd while, like, stepping away from the unicorn and taking a fighting stance. And as we fade away from the beginning of a sparring match... We fade back to where the real battle has begun. And we're going to jump into combat. Oh, good. I'm so good at combat. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Let's do it. Excellent. This is no bueno. Should have taken a combat ability. This is fine. You got a, you got a, you got a sword. I have not had any time to practice with this sword. I'm a doctor. Yeah, it, look, it, then think of it as a very big scalpel. <laughs> it is your turn first. Oh no, hold on, I'm trying to find my quest book. Everybody, it's this group's turn first. Let me be clear though, being in combat doesn't mean that you can't still do things too that are not combat based. Right. Okay? Yeah. Uh, that's important to me. Like. Anytime I say enter combat, it really just means I want there to be an order to when things happen. Uh, and I think that that's kind of, uh, for listeners at home, that's one of the premises of Quest, is that combat, it's really the same as any other scene. It just happens, like, it just needs a different kind of order, right? Think of it like a trial, um, where the main consequence is probably going to be damage. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, for all of you at home, that means specifically don't pick any combat-based abilities. Yeah. That's, right? That's... You never need those. 
Literally never. Mm-hmm. Especially not when the GM told you multiple, multiple times that this was going to be a D&D style dungeon crawl. Definitely not then. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think the first thing Thorne's going to do is, or Zach's going to do is, um, he's going to sort of uh, have like Thorne on his arm and like, you know, get her into the air and say, Talon, it's time to take your revenge. You want to make an attack roll for Talon? To swoop down and go for the demon? Demon. <laughs> I mean uh, Ravana. Yeah. Oh, which is a which is a <laughs> demon, which is a demonic name. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's our only enemy, right? Is Ravana. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, well, and well, you don't know. It, so far, it's just Ravana. Yeah. Uh 10. That is a tough t- choice. Yeah. Um, I'll say the tough choice is either Talon in doing this will be taken out of the next round. So she'll lose control, I think, a little bit uh, and wind up over by the other animals or and possibly you don't know what could happen if she's by the other uh, people that are, you know, in in captured by by Ravana or he slaps a ring on her. What? I'll go with the first one. Okay, awesome. So she swoops down, uh, dealing two damage. And uh, with that, uh, she then swerves uh, recklessly off, slamming against the wall, falling uh, amidst the group, uh, right in the path of the uh, group of animals. The animals, I thought they were like in like the seating area, or are they like they're just like close by? That is, it is all very close by. Okay. It's not a large circus tent. Okay. Who's next? Oh, wait. Did you want to also go, uh, uh, Zach? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was sort of hoping I would, but I, I can I can wait. I, I'm just yeah, going to go shoot ahead. it. I'm just going to shoot an It'll arrow at him. To... All right. Go ahead and throw me a G20 down. Me an attack. Okay. Um, man, not good. Uh, 11. It's another tough. No, that's. I can't remember. No, That's like right success. on the cusp. That works. Okay. Yeah. So that is another two damage. Nicely done. And uh, let's have let's get Gray in there next. All right. I'm going to I guess head towards the towards like the the people the the villagers the mm-hmm. yeah because yeah. they're just like they're just sitting. Mm-hmm. Watching. Well, Watching. actually, when the fight starts, they start clapping. Yeah, I'm just, I, I just want to like get over to them, and I don't know, see if I, see if I notice anything like. Yeah, go uh, ahead and give me a d20. A ten. All right, tough choice. Either I give you slightly less information, or you draw aggro. Well, let's pick the one I shouldn't, and uh, I'm gonna draw some aggro. Sounds good. So, uh, what you realize looking at them is that they are all completely in sync, and. Looking closer, you also do notice that there is one person, a young girl, who does not have the wristband on. She looks terrified, but she's clapping along, trying to look like she's one of the group. Oh. And then you look over your shoulder and you see Roman right behind you. Who is who is now aggressive towards me or is just uh... he's a little aggro oh 
All right, who's next? Dr. Yeah. Turtle. Um, are these commoners? The people are. The and Roman are as well. Okay, so everybody except for uh, Ravana? Everybody except for Ravana, yeah. Actually, I'm sorry, Thea and Roman are not commoners. They are. Uh, oh no. They are minions. <laughs> I am going to use uh, sleep to make everyone except for the minions and Ravana to fall asleep. Uh, and the way that I do that is by whisking. Including the animals? The animals are also baddies. They also have the uh, wristbands on. Then yeah, we'll put them to sleep too, so we don't have to hurt them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the I it says whisper a brief lullaby, but Doctor Turtle will say, "Nighty night, dudes." Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they all fall asleep. Incredible. What about... Okay, so next up will be Tyrone slash Newton. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to run up with my short sword on Ravana to at least keep him entangled with somebody. Yeah, go ahead and uh, throw out that sword. Throw me a d20. That's an 18. All right, that's a hit. So you're entering melee with him. Yes. Incredible. So <clears throat> now it's my turn, but I only have three people to move now. So that's you're welcome. fine. <laughs> um, how does one wake somebody up from sleep? Oh, you're asking me a good question. Let me see. I'm looking at it. Let's see. Um, creatures affected. They wake up immediately if they are harmed. Yes. Okay, let's see how many health can I afford to harm them to wake them up? That's really the only way to wake them up? <laughs> yes, use your entire, um, your entire turn just hurting your own people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with this. Um, no, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out. It'll be with your time. nearby. I'm just looking and seeing, because I just noticed that it says nearby. I don't mean to be a rule stickler. But in this case, I think I need to be. Um, nearby is within... It's You would have to be in range of them. Mm-hmm. So... Mm, yeah. I think that the... Um, you would have to choose the animals... Or the people, because they're not close enough to each other. Okay. Um, I'll pick the the people for now. Okay, cool. So the first thing that happens is uh, Thea comes up behind... I'm sorry, Roman comes up behind Gray uh, and does a quick attack on Gray. Uh, It's a series of very specifically placed punches. And I rolled a two. Oh! So nothing happens. Yes. <laughs> Not going to redirect um, my chi today. <laughs> the second thing that happens is Thea comes up behind Thorn and does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I got a 19. So now you can roll a d20. Oh, okay. And so first you just take one damage. Okay. Take a damage first. Yep. Got the damage. 
You feel the blood in your body changing directions. Yeah. Uh, 12. All right. So that is a success. Uh, you do, for a moment, feel constricted, almost paralyzed, and then it eases away. Ah, what you don't know is that I don't have pressure points with this body. <laughs> you can cut that out. That was bad. Thea, Thea smirks and winks at you and says, everybody has pressure points. Did did, did I, just, just so that I don't miss this, did you say you start to feel your blood changing direction? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Isn't that how you die? I'm pretty sure that's how you die. <laughs> it's okay, I'm a plant. And that's where we're going to end our episode. Thank you everyone so much for listening to another week of A Game Called Quest. A Game Called Quest is an actual play audio drama podcast of West created by T.C. Sodic and the Adventure Guild. It is a collaborative storytelling experience, meaning that myself, my co-editor, Crumpet, and all of the amazing players that join us are all working together to make the story that you then get to hear. Make sure you check all of us out at our social medias located in the description box below. Also, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, or join our Facebook page. Possibly join our Discord if you're interested in learning more about our community. And leave us a review on Podchaser or iTunes to get word about the show out. We just want to share these stories with as many people as possible. That's all I've got for today, folks. As always, thank you so much for adventuring with us. And be sure to join us next time on A Game Called Quest.